Welcome one, welcome all. It's the first episode of the Ready Fox Show. And normally at this time is when I would say sponsors don't have any yet. But if you're interested in sponsoring the show, by all means, holler at your boy. We are about to get into it. My first guest, the first episode making history right here on the Ready Fox Show. Solitaire will be my guest today. Let's go. Recorded live from Midtown Toronto, it's the Ready Fox Show. And now here's DJ Ready Fox. I love this intro. Solitaire. Yeah. <laughs> Sounds familiar. I feel like uh, I feel like I had something to do with that intro. Yes, you did have something to do with it. <laughs> you helped produce it, and that's Chaining Day. Uh, please, Dreamville, don't come after me. <laughs> I tried to reach out to the man. I did. I tried to reach out a bunch of times. No one even responded to the emails that I sent them, anyways. But Solitaire, man. What's up? How's it going? Ah, it's going. I'm in pain, but I'm doing great. Why are you in pain? Because I just finished playing basketball. <laughs> playing basketball. <laughs> and you know the reason, too, why I had you be my first guest is that it gives me the opportunity to infringe a bit on your time to kind of talk about the podcast. This is the first episode. Yes. Everyone's going to be tuning in. First of all, thank you so much if you are tuning into this podcast. I appreciate you spending some time listening to this podcast. This is going to be about me speaking with other DJs and artists. A lot of people think that um, DJing is simple. I think anything that people see that they don't aren't involved in, mm-hmm. it seems simple to you until you actually you know commit to trying to do it and do it well. And then t- that's when you realize how difficult anything worthwhile absolutely is kind of thing so when it comes to djing i think a lot of people look at it and they think it's just pushing buttons and you're just picking songs and you're just having a grand old time Mm -hmm. little do they know how much work goes into it so through the conversations that i have with djs in the future Mm -hmm. um hopefully people will get an understanding of that but also too i want there to be value for people out there considering being a dj maybe you're thinking about starting a dj career Mm-hmm. I, I am. I am thinking about starting. Are you DJ. really thinking about starting? Well, you know a lot of DJs. I do. I do. That's probably why I haven't started because I'm like, it's uh, it's hard. It is hard. But it's that's hard the thing. A lot of people don't realize how hard it is. Yeah. Um, the thing, too, though, now that we're in this digital uh, age, it's not as much of a financial commitment. Mm to be a DJ the way it was when uh, vinyl was king. Yes, that's you know very I mean? true. So um, that's one of the things that my dad used to yell at me about a lot was you're spending all this money. Like, <laughs> what are you doing <laughs> with your life, basically, mm-hmm. until things started happening? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I hope to provide value for uh, up-and-coming DJs. You'll get an opportunity to hear some of the best DJs in the city talking about their craft, what inspires them, what motivates them, why they choose to do what they do, and hopefully that will also motivate some new young up-and-coming dj out there to do their due diligence basically yes pay your dues Mm -hmm. and also too same thing for artists as well obviously you're an artist mc producer uh what else uh, juno nominated rapper yes producer activist activist entrepreneur renaissance man (laughs) you know and now you can add um radio host that's right to your resume i have a resume that's great yeah, you do have a resume, actually. And I actually did do research on you as well, too, because you were like, why do you need to show prep for having me on the show? Come on, man. You know everything about me. No, I don't, actually. And I learned quite a bit. I learned quite a bit while uh, doing my due diligence. So right. uh, let's get right into it. Um, what's the first thing? Oh, have you ever uh, Googled yourself? <laughs> yeah, uh, you know what? A couple of times, a couple of times. You know they want that e real bad, eh? Yes. Yeah. yeah. You know that, right? <laughs> For all you guys out there that don't know Solitaire, well, you should already. If you're already listening to this, you've already seen how his name is spelled. But 
there's no e which has been a source of uh, a lot of contention yes i mean for you. you know what it's uh, and when they finally get it right that's when I, i'll really know that i've arrived <laughs> because people you know misspell my name all the time they spell it like the card game which is you know it's a it's a honest mistake I well it. it's how it's spelled for the most part yeah but um you should know if you're a hip-hop fan you should know that we spell uh, words differently <laughs> we don't adhere to the uh the standard uh english language versions of words okay. we like to flip them right so to speak um did you write your wikipedia page uh, i wrote i actually yeah i edited a couple of things but i didn't start it okay but um yeah I've, I've actually gone on there and I'm like this is so wrong. <laughs> so I so I went in there but it kind of feels like cheating. It feels like you kind of go in there and just make up a bunch of stuff about yourself. So. Yeah, it feels better when someone else does it. Yes. Because you're just doing so much and people are recognizing your work that yeah. they want to go through the trouble of making a Wikipedia page for you. It'd just be nice if they get it right. <sighs> sure, I guess. But so. I mean, you know. Well, it, that's, it is what it is. Okay. So uh, for all you guys out there that may be listening as well, too, we host a show together mm-hmm. uh, Saturdays on Vibe 105. It's Hashtag with uh, Solitaire as well as myself, Miss Misha Gay, and No Better Nina. Correct. And uh, we've been doing it now for about two years. Mm-hmm. How have you uh, liked uh, the radio show every, so far? Every waking moment uh, on that radio show has been nothing but joy. I appreciate because, you know, these are conversations that um, we would have amongst our friends anyway. And I felt like it it needed to kind of be exposed because I think um, my circle of friends um, have a unique perspective to offer to the world. And I feel like I wanted to kind of um, distill that conversation that we've had um, about a bunch of different topics and, you know, put it on the air so that we can open it up for the you know for the for the city and for you know humanity so yeah so the air the show's been on the air for two years now mm-hmm. um how did it start in terms of you because uh, it was all your idea about for doing the show that's why it's mm-hmm. your show mm-hmm. um for people that don't know dj manifest aka randy mm-hmm. if you ever listen to hashtag we're always calling randy's name out <laughs> i'm um, sure he loves that too well hey man what are you gonna do <laughs> stop us do something about it um so, so how did that come to be how did it start with uh, you and randy kind of conspiring together to create hashtag well it was actually um we had an idea for uh, doing a podcast um, many, many, uh, well, not many, many years ago, but uh, for uh, for a while, um, I was talking to uh, Zamani Thomas, who I'm sure you will, uh, attorney at law from uh, Florida, and also a good friend of mine, went to um, high school together and known him for an ungodly amount of years. How uh, long have you known Zamani? Since high school. So, okay, since high school. Yeah, since high school. We met, uh, they were, he was a year behind me, so. It's what good. high school did you guys go to? De La Salle. De la, de la salle right yeah yes which means in the house okay i think roughly translated <laughs> but um yeah so we were talking about doing podcast and that sort of stuff and you know he's also a nomad so he's in and out of town um and i just kind of took it to the next level and actually it was um when i was developing the idea 
a good uh, brethren of mine uh, and also Cardinal's tour DJ named DJ DOC. Oh, big shots to DJ DOC. Uh, yes, absolutely. DOC. I hope to have him on the podcast. Oh, he day. will. He will. Absolutely. Yeah. Him and Presto both. I want to yes. get on here. Yes, exactly. And they have a, they've been on Vibe 105 for ever, ever and ever and ever and ever. And he actually um, contacted me one day and he was like, yo, uh, Vibe 105 is expanding their programming. And I think it would be good for you to take the opportunity to to pitch a show. I think you'd do good. And I was like, aha. And then a light bulb. And you took off. him seriously, like right off of the bat? Right off the jump. Of yeah. course. Of course. Because, I mean, again, I, I hadn't known Randy as well as I do now, but I, I was, we obviously had a rapport. Right. So when I reached out, um, which actually wasn't the first time that I reached out to Randy because we, uh, we were also developing another idea for a show a few years back. Um, what the heck was that? It was for, it was going to be uh, something. Um, for FU, the Forgiveness Project, which is... Uh, We're going to talk about that a little later, for sure. Yes. Yeah. Um, and it was actually to create a show for the founder of that, Tara Muldoon, which was... And it was going to discuss mental health issues, anger management, um, because that's kind of her world, social yeah. justice yeah. and all that kind of stuff. Um, and it you know, didn't pan out at the time, but... Um, you know, everything happens for a reason. And then, you know, fast forward a few years um, before... Um, after that idea didn't uh, manifest <laughs> and then yeah and then i pitched the idea i didn't want it to i you know i'm an artist and i release music obviously but i didn't want to create a music show i thought that was kind of like there's Played more out. than enough music show programs in the city i wanted to have a conversation with people about the issues that i thought were important to me and i felt like were important to the community our community as black people west indian of west indian descent and you know in general obviously it's black people all around the world but not just for black people kind of like i wanted to have a conversation about the issues that matter to our community at large and hip hop um, I think we have a unique perspective of the world. So that was kind of the, the basic framework for the show. And then, um, you know, I had to recruit being that I didn't have any experience in radio myself. I obviously had to recruit people who had experience in radio, which immediately, immediately led me to you. Yeah. Thanks. Ready Fox. Hey, thanks man. Hey, there you go. <laughs> no problem. And then it kind of, uh, you know, we needed obviously, we definitely wanted to have the uh, the estrogen factor. We wanted to have the perspective of a uh, intelligent woman. So uh, we did our due diligence, and of course, Misha Gay topped that list. Mm-hmm. Brought her into the fold, and, and then the universe gifted us Nina. And then the universe gifted us Nina about mm-hmm. a year into, almost a year into it, maybe about six, six seven months. Yeah, about six nine months. Yeah, whatever. Just after the Artscape event, right. Right. That's when Nina came on board. Yeah. So that's kind of, you know, the, the Coles notes of how the idea came together. But we also, as you know, we spent pretty much a, the better part of a year um, recording uh, sample pod, sample versions of the show so that we could work out the timing and the segments and how we would uh, engage in the discussion. So Yeah. And that's another thing, too. Again, um feels a little self-serving to talk about it the way we are right now. It's our show. It's our show. Yeah. 
do we <laughs> but want? again, I don't think people will appreciate how much work we put into that show, especially even before we even went on the air. It's always the case, you know, people yeah. see things in its final uh, final version and it looks easy, but uh, then you start doing the work and you're like, oh, it's not as easy as it looks. Right. Yeah. No, it's not. You it's know. not. But it's enjoy. I'm, I'm having a great time. I'm yeah. enjoying it. Um, I'm excited to see it grow and uh, we get more listeners and more and more on. listeners. It seems like it's moving in the right direction. Absolutely. At a nice pace or whatever. So let's talk about you, Solitaire. Oh, um, let's talk about me. You do you mind? <laughs> I, I, I Are you okay? You you seem like you're 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 exhausted from your basketball, isn't it? Next yeah. time, don't do a podcast after playing ball, man. How about no? That? I'm good. I'm good. I'm, right. I'm just a little sore. I'm actually in pretty good shape. I was I was pleased. I pulled a little <laughs> calf today, but okay. it was a mild mild strain. Okay, so right. what do you think your shooting percentage was in the game? Oh, it's terrible. Yeah. My shots were <laughs> terrible. But you know, you make up with, uh, yeah, yeah. you make up with you know tenacious D, and you try right. to like contribute in other ways when you're shooting. You know, well, that's a band to tenacious D. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. with Jack Black, right? Yeah, correct, mm-hmm. correct. Okay, so um, it was around the late '90s when uh, you really started to come onto the scene. That's uh, in, in, that is correct in hip hop about, but uh, okay, before you actually started, when did you realize music was what you wanted to do? You know. I kind of really, when you're, I started when I was rapping when I was actually very young. I was wrote my first verse. I must have been like 12 or 13. And, um, and it was for a church talent show. You were rapping at a church talent show. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Which is, you know, it's not the typical way most people uh, introduce their careers as hip hop artists. Not for was... hip hop, but that seems to be the staple story for R&B artists. Yeah. Yeah. That it seems was... to be the staple story. Oh, right. Story. Yeah. Well, yeah. That would make Every, sense. How many R&B artists say, oh, yeah, I started out singing gospel in the church. Right. Like, that seems to be the staple origin story for mm. a lot of R&B artists. Yeah. But uh, so, you yeah, started the... rapping at 12 in the church. I, if my memory serves me correctly, that's around the time I started writing my own first verse. I, you know, I, I have an older brother. He introduced me to hip hop and we used to listen to it. On How a... did he introduce you to hip hop? Uh, you know, he was, I think he's like he was maybe six or like five years older than me. So it was... Are you trying to figure out how older your brother is than you? Yeah. What is? Does it matter? Does it matter? Like, at, you know, after you're 25, like you're the number, the actual number doesn't really matter. I'm terrible with birthdays. <laughs> I'm terrible with ages. I like I I forget how old my own nephews are. Okay, that's fair. So I'm I'm pretty terrible with that. But yeah, I, we would used to. I just remember as far back. As I can remember, uh, listening to the Master Plan show, listening to CIUT, uh, mm-hmm. the Power Move show with DJ X. Yeah, I hope know. to speak to him one day too. Yeah, I yeah. think uh, I think that's. I possible. would love to talk to DJ X. Yeah. Uh, okay, so now just for a thought experiment. Uh oh. Um, suppose you could travel back in time now and pull that twelve-year-old solitaire mm. off to the side. Now he just did his uh, performance in the church, <laughs> and you know what he's going to intend to do with his life now. What is the one piece of advice you would give that 12-year-old solitaire? Oh, man. Invest in yourself a lot more. Have the courage of your convictions to, and the confidence to put yourself out there more as an artist rather than kind of... I, I spent a lot of time... Um, I wouldn't say necessarily downplaying or making myself smaller, but you know, I was surrounded... Uh, growing up when I, you know, 
I started out like Marvel. If you have anybody's familiar with the circle, the circle was, uh, you know, our crew back in the day, which actually started off as figures of speech and how I actually met Cardi. Oh, that's right. You guys were always saying FOS crew, FOS crew. That's, that's right. right. So, okay. Yeah. So, um, it was Marvel who I was well, actually rapping with in church. We used to go to that. That's how I met him was at church. I uh, our lady of good counsel, Caribbean church is where I met, uh, who else was Marvel in the circle? Uh, Julie Black, uh, Socrates, Lockjaw, um, Anthem, um, Tara Chase, uh, oh, Lair, um, Rodala, Card- yeah, Cardinal, obviously. Um, who else am I forgetting? I'm sure I'm forgetting somebody else. Why look? Was oh, in there. Yeah, why look? Big I can't shouts forget, to Why look, man. Can't forget him. Um, yeah, I'm sure I'm forgetting somebody. That's but, okay. Yeah. So, uh, but and the thing is that the circle it was it formed like because you guys have spoken. Um, I don't want to say ad nauseum to make it sound negative, mm. but just a lot about that fresh arts program. Oh yeah, right. So what was the was the the fresh arts program? I'm assuming it was something similar to what Rich Kid is doing now with the Remix Project. Fresh sort arts, sort of, kind of. Fresh arts was definitely the precursor to remix project it was is pretty much the exact same structure and uh, philosophy of you know educating um young people from quote-unquote marginalized communities uh, who don't necessarily get the opportunity to uh, be educated in the arts um and uh was actually created in response to the young street riots i don't know if you remember that i think it might have been like 90 must have been like 95 or something like that why don't i remember that the young street riots it was i was after the rodney king verdict and they rioted in la and then toronto had like our own mini riot our own mini riot <laughs> well mm-hmm. okay yeah. i don't remember that yeah you should look that up i want to remember the riots in la mm-hmm. obviously because yeah. that was a big deal but i don't remember people rioting in toronto yeah we, they went up young street they were smashing windows damn stealing stuff it was kind of like jesus it you know what it was dare i say it was kind of lame i understand <laughs> right we were trying to sh- we were trying to show solidarity with uh you know the injustice that uh rodney king served those those whatever it was those four policemen who were mark Furman and his boys and there you go basically and um mark Furman and the fuck boys there you go there you go and they were acquitted <laughs> and uh, obviously the riots popped off in la and toronto had our you know our support right it was kind of corny i remember specifically when it was happening i was actually at the reference library at Young and Bloor. Okay. And the riots were making their way up Young. And I remember a librarian came over to me and whispered, there's riots <laughs> coming up Young Street. I think you should get going. I was like, I remember thinking to myself, I was like, what? Riots? So I packed up my books and I, I got out of there. I wasn't, I wasn't concerned specifically. And then by the time I got out, like the, the riots hadn't reached up. I guess wow, the news was that's traveling. That's crazy. Yeah. That and shit then, is um, crazy. So anyway, that the the Joy program, Jobs Ontario Youth was uh, the the overall program um, employment program for youth, and then Fresh Arts was one of the uh, organizations that got money to run a music and arts program. Around how old were you when you were in it? I must have been like, I want to say I was like seventeen, eighteen. Right. Um, and it was they provided us, they paid us to learn. To learn about music. They paid you guys? Yeah. yeah. 
Jobs Ontario Youth. It was Whoa. a jobs creation program. That's Basically, amazing. Essentially, they're like, listen, we got to get these. That's little- the only way to motivate these youths to not be out in the streets wilding out. Basically, I'm, I'm gonna right? be I'm gonna be controversial <laughs> and say it, it felt like they're like, yeah, listen, we got to get these little niggers off the streets. How are we gonna do this? <laughs> How are we gonna do? this? Like, we got to get we got to put them in buildings and make sure they're like what they love they love rap what right? That, they, the rapidity rap. They like rap. They love the rapidity rap, right? I'm I'm being an ass. I, I don't you know if. It, sometimes it feels that way it's like the it's a knee-jerk reaction to like there's violence in the city what do we do for these kids like oh really do politicians do that do they have knee-jerk reactions (laughs) do they they really Hmm. but um anyway yeah that's me and my hyperbole but that was kind of the what what it was how it was created right and then um that's when i was actually in the second year the first year was Marvel and Cardi, that's where they met Socrates. Socrates was in the first year of Fresh Arts. And then I joined when they they are like, yo, you got I was working at Canada's Wonderland at the time. And they're like, yo, can I just say on a side note real quick? Because I think a lot of people will be hearing this and wondering who's Marvel. Throw this ball. Go find that song. Throw yeah. this ball. That song's flames. Eh? Yeah, it is. Song's flames. Oh. Would I get in trouble for playing it right now? Why would you get in trouble for copyright it? stuff, man? No, there's, there's no copyright. <laughs> you have to worry about for that. I'm not going to do it, though. I'm, I'm not going to. You should. You should. Should I play it? Yeah, should I see not? if I have it? Yeah. Okay, let's see if we can find it. Why not? We're just throwing I, it off the I was the on the chorus right of that right? song, too. Were you on the chorus? I was on the chorus. Me and Tara Chase contributed vocals to that chorus. Okay. Okay. This song is so good. I didn't know. Okay, and this is the thing, too. Obviously, I didn't meet you mm. until around 2000. Five. Probably somewhere around there. Somewhere around there. That's when um, I kind of came onto the scene, which I'll get to eventually. Like, I have your whole history, like, mapped out for us having this conversation. But, Mm -hmm. um, and I saw the part of your history where I came onto the scene. Mm. But um, just, uh, it's a little surreal for me, too, because uh, Easy to Slip was a big track for you, obviously. It's Mm -hmm. probably your most popular song. I guess that's safe to say. Safe to say. Safe to say. So for me, that was a big track. Mm -hmm. I didn't even know you. Mm -hmm. I only saw the video on TV like everyone else and knew of the song. And I was like, yo, this song is wicked or whatever. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. it's surreal for me, from my perspective, to have like known of you guys without knowing you. Mm -hmm. And now... You know, I have the after picture anyways. Mm. Yeah. So are we going to play Throw This Ball for a bit? Yeah, play it. Should we? Okay. Oh, hold on. Here we go. Why does it always do that? Because. Oh. This song's flames, yo. Mm-hmm. Why stop now? This was mixed by Gadget, by the way. Okay. Well, people, people will know who Gadget is. Um, maybe. If you're, if you're in the industry at all in Toronto... Uh, grew up in hip hop. You've probably heard his name before. Okay, let's hear a bit of a Marvel doing his thing, man. Now if I throw this ball, how far would it go, bro? Put units upon a shelf, and how far would it go, bro? Chill, my perspective keeps me erected. Only direction is forward. No more words from the benches. It's the strugglest thing for who built houses on stilts. Go to parties, blowing bubbles with their dreams. Watch it all fly, all die, then pop before their eyes. Hunting silver, but they catching foil rocks. I threw the ball, it came back to me like allergies. Now what? You know, T.O.'s caught up in his rap D. Take off your hat, bang it. Where the track is banging. Bottom heavy like a bag of candles. Candlewoods, there's nothing more natural. Face it. Burn, burn, women going back to basics. If you sit in with minus two teeth, when you grin in or play it white, ladies spare energy behind babies quick to bend in. Throw that ball, can't have no weak arm. Tag the bases, wipe the faces of. 
that just be gone. Crazy to put their feet on ground when work be gone. Mixer ready, blue wires, figures just be gone. Now if I throw this ball up against the wall, and if that shit comes back, then I'ma fuck this ball for everything that it got until that shit breaks my back. Problems. Problems. Still smoking and guzzling. Guzzling. Indulging. Indulging. And I'ma put it on the one. There's a video for that song, too. Is there a video for it? There is. I did not know this. And I'm in the video, too. Okay, you're in a lot of videos. Uh, you know, I'm <laughs> handsome. Sure, you are. <laughs> <laughs> I, that, this is the thing, too. I'm going to be a little meaner with you than I probably would with uh, other yeah, guests perhaps. because you're my hydrant. Perhaps. And that's the thing. Should we disclose that, that we're hydrants? So like, shouldn't they be I able to he, figure that out on I, their own already? I think he just did. Do, should we ex- uh, explain the definition of hydrant for someone that... Uh... Nah, let him figure it out. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, um, all right. So your debut uh, as a solo artist and your self-produced classic, uh, Silver Server, came out in 1998. Yes. Um, so that was your first time you produced it as well. I produced it co-produced by 12 inch 12 inch was actually also in the circle too. Okay. He was a super dope rapper freestyle. He was actually partners with Anthem who was a part of the circle as well. So when did you, did you know at the same time when you first started rapping that you also want to do producing as well too, or did that come later? Producing was definitely part of my, uh, come up in hip-hop um that was you know i think the first time i'd heard that you can make beats and marvel was telling me yeah um i can't remember who it was somebody had like a sampler or something and i was like i need to go and learn how to do that because you know at that point it wasn't as accessible uh, technology as you know it is now in the digital age. It was what was the like, first uh, piece of equipment that you got? Uh, it was the the first one that I ever learned to make beats on was called uh, EPS and Sonic. Okay. On Sonic EPS, it was a keyboard, and uh, you can I think it had like maybe like I want to say like twelve seconds of sample time. <laughs> so nowhere, in other words. Uh, it was a very small uh, time that you had to sample. So you had to speed up samples and right. slow it down to and chop it up. So that was kind of like my first introduction. And it's actually um, a 12 inch, uh, like I said, co- helped me produce uh, Silver Surfer. Well, where, where's this 12 inch person now? Like, where, what are they doing? Uh, you know what? I actually, ironically, caught up with him i want to say maybe it was like maybe about a year and a half ago i ran into him or i got back into contact and here in toronto yeah yeah and we went to lunch and he was just you know we kind of caught up a little bit i haven't spoken to him since but um it was good to see him after that was probably the last time i saw him prior to that was at least 15 years i want to say okay so let's do the advice thing again now so what if there's somebody out there listening to this that's thinking about becoming a producer what would what advice would you give starting out they haven't done anything yet they haven't bought any equipment it's just germinating in their brain that this is what they want to do study music listen to all kinds of music figure out and not when you're listening to the music you also got to you know think about what are the elements that make the song great there's the lyrics, but there's also like the instrumentation, there's the arrangement, there's the, the sounds that the producer chose to use. When you listen to music as a fan, it's very passive. You're like, oh, I like this song. Right. Or you might sing along the words to the to the hook or whatever, and the, the words may touch you, but you're not really thinking about how that came to, how the song came together. And that's what a producer 
is. So if you want to become a producer, you should study music. And, you know, I would say if you have the opportunity to take music lessons and learn about music theory and learn an it's instrument all would definitely be helpful. But it's not it's not absolutely essential to becoming a producer because you don't you don't necessarily have to compose. There's a composer and then there's a producer. So would you say you're essentially self-taught? Uh, I took piano. I took um, I took drumming when I was younger. When I was in high, when I was in elementary school, back when you know there used to be music programming in schools. I I took trombone for a year. Trombone. So I had a yeah. So I had a lot of uh, background in. I took guitar lessons as well. I took guitar lessons yeah. as a child too. I was one of the biggest regrets that I have in life. Was not continuing. That. Not continuing the guitar lessons. I was a stupid kid that would rather have been outside playing yeah. instead of being inside of a music studio. On on a Saturday morning because yep. that's when my uh, lessons were with the teacher mm-hmm. Saturday morning. So that's a lot to ask of a kid to sacrifice a Saturday morning. Yeah. Did you, was it your choice or were you? No, it was my parents' idea. Oh, well, but again, too, they were obviously your parents have the best of intentions for of you. Course. And it would have been amazing. How different. We probably wouldn't even be sitting here right now if I still took continued with guitar i'd probably be play, playing in a band somewhere probably right be now a rock star right now well who knows but <laughs> the point being is that i wouldn't be a dj i wouldn't be doing radio i wouldn't be doing this podcast mm-hmm. all that stuff but it is it is one of the biggest regrets that i have that i didn't continue with those guitar lessons well i will say it's not too late i know i know it's not too it's late never too i know late. it's true it's true so if you could only do one or the other if you could only rap or produce which would you pick if I had to choose, yeah. If you had to choose, I think I'd probably choose production because there's a lot more versatility you can have as an artist. When you're the artist and you're the face of your music, and you have to go out there and and be the you know promote, and you have to perform, and you have to face fans, and you have to do interviews. There's a lot of pressure um, on you. But as a producer, uh, you can also write. You can also like. You can be an artist if you choose to, but. You can also be in the background and just catch checks I all love day the background. and be if you know if you if fame isn't what you're chasing nope. producer gives you the uh, definitely gives you the opportunity to be low key. Right. Yeah. And still in a lot of instances make more money than the artists themselves. OK. And I saw a description, too, for some of your music saying that um, you you always want to have thought provoking lyrics. Yes. Um, it, positive messages in your music is that always a goal of yours when you're writing a song uh for the most part yeah and it doesn't when you say thought-provoking it doesn't necessarily mean it has to be positive or it has to be it just has to be thought-provoking like like literally well you can do something negative and still provoke thoughts yeah yeah exactly exactly even if you're writing about love it can still be it doesn't have to be typical Right. right Um, so I think that's something that I always try to infuse in any music that I'm putting my name to as a producer or as an artist. Um, I try to like make it something that's, that's filling a void rather than just, you know, once in a while though, you want to make some, something junk. Of course. I I mean, I, you go out, you like to party. I like to drink. (laughs) I like girls. You know what I mean? Like, so that obviously you have to be true to yourself too. Like you don't want to put out something there that isn't authentic to who you are as a person. And I'm a pretty, um, not to, not to brag, but I'm a pretty dynamic person in terms of my interests and my experiences that I, that things that I enjoy doing, you know, it's pretty diverse. So I think that I try to incorporate all of that into my music. Okay. So where, where and when was the first, uh, studio that you were working out of on a regular basis? Lee Day 
Fredericks. Lee Day Fredericks. Lee Day Fredericks, who um, ended up managing um, Chocolaire. I would assume that. I was going to say, I was before I was going to finish that sentence for you, assuming that it would have been Chocolaire, because mm-hmm. I was going to say around 99 is when people are saying, or well, this information that's out there about you is saying that uh, that was your like mainstream debut on Ice Cold in terms of oh, your production credits and whatnot. You produced four songs on Shock Lair's f- Ice Cold, right? It might have ended up being five. There was two versions of the album because uh, after he got signed to his deal, Virgin Canada, uh, it was the album was picked up in America by, I want to say, Priority. I feel like that's a watershed moment for hip hop toronto hip-hop I, I think so too i think it is because i remember the pride that i had when i saw uh let's ride mm-hmm. on bet because mm-hmm. i'd never seen a canadian right. uh, hip-hop video mm-hmm. on bet before and i was like this i was like finally yeah. this is it made it. someone from toronto is going to make it yep and absolutely. well it didn't turn out the way we all thought it would per se but it's still all part of the timeline it's of Toronto of, hip hop, it's right? All, it's all part of history. It's just like you're saying, like if I had played guitar back in the day, who knows what I would have happened now? If that didn't happen, who knows? At the time, yeah. Who knows what exactly it, what it would have became? So yeah, man. No. Uh, so what was what songs did you do? You remember the songs that you the four that's official as opposed to the mystery fifth that uh, you're. You don't have to if you can't. I can't remember. I should have gotten the track list here. So I think there's one that's um, fresh. I did fresh. I did a record. Um, I can't remember what it's called, but I was I actually rapped on one of the songs. I did another song. No, you know what? That's that's terrible. I can't remember. I can't that's remember what, the names of the songs. Ninety nine. We're talking twenty years ago, bro. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Damn. Doesn't it doesn't feel like it, does it? Yeah, no, it doesn't. Yeah, it does not. Um, what was I going to say? Yeah, Let's Ride. That was produced by Cardinal, though. That's right. It was produced by Cardinal. That's it was right. produced by Cardinal. It was mm-hmm. a huge track, obviously. Yes, um, um, where you, you must have been in on it, though, in terms of the production. And obviously, you heard it before the masses heard it. Yeah, yeah. I, I had nothing to do with the production of it. But I remember when he made that beat. I remember um, if you... <laughs> Here's a little factoid, or a little uh, <laughs> little gem of information. History T. If you go back and listen to Cardinal's first single on with the show, I don't know, it wasn't his first single, but his single on with the show, and there was a video for it. Just for the record, there's a car alarm down in the street out there. The mics are picking it up. These somebody, mics pick up everything. Somebody's robbing robbing a car. I'm just there? saying, someone's going to hear that, and it's not. Where are we sound. at in the hood? What's going on? We're not there? in the hood. We're in Midtown Toronto. That's young, what the intro said. Young and young and eligible. Young and eligible. Sure. Young and Eglinton. Yeah. So oh, that's a tight picture. Yeah, I know. So go back and listen to watch the video for "On with the Show." Okay. And the music for "Let's Ride" is the intro for that video. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Because there's like if you if you go back, it was actually like a little skit before the before the song started. Right. And uh, in that little like um, skit before the show the, before the video, that's the instrumental that's playing in the background. Sick. Did you guys know how big that song was going to be? No, I had no idea. You had no idea. Had Did no Cardi idea. have an idea? Uh, maybe you'd have to ask him. But I, you know, he's 
he's a supremely confident guy. So there's, I wouldn't be surprised if he's like, yo, this, this right here. <laughs> but um, I right. don't think there was really any way of us knowing how big the song. Well, got. the album went gold. It yes, sold it like 50,000 units. In 30 it, days it went gold. Apparently it went gold in mm-hmm. less than 30 days. So mm-hmm. that's pretty good. And then just after the album had come out, you and Cardi created your production hub mm-hmm. team, Silver House and the Girl. That's right. What's up with that name? <laughs> uh this was this what shag shag so clearly it was around the time that um von men came into your life no 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 no, no. <laughs> is that what it is no 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 it was around the time the first austin powers international man of mystery <laughs> movie came out so everyone's like yeah shagadelic baby and we were just like we i think we spent like a good two three years just brainstorming talking. or not brainstorming oh. but talking like austin powers and right. all the like you know the the accent and all the crazy the crazy words and shag was a big one that we use it shall we shag now or shall we shag later baby <laughs> <laughs> all that stuff so we took that and we thought it was a cool name we said it all the time and, and you know my nickname was silver um cardi uh i can't remember it was like it was like rock house or he had like house was part of the nickname we called him and then the girl the girl was tara chase ah silver house and the girl see and you were like what are you gonna ask me what are you gonna learn about me so ready i I figured you'd do all that no when would when would we ever have these conversations conversations sitting down talking about this all right yeah stop that bullshit man anyways so just after you and cardi created um Silver House, Silver and, House the and the Girl, mm-hmm. 2001 comes, and this is apparently your big breakout year now. That's according, again, to your uh, history, yeah. because this is the year Easy to Slip comes out. Now. Right. Right? So right. 2001, it comes out. Uh, also, too, though, you also produced Cardi's Bacardi Slang. That's right. Which is super huge. That's, yeah, yeah. That is a staple Toronto anthem. Mm-hmm. Like, it is... I feel like uh, I feel like there's never really been as official a toronto anthem as bacardi slang as bacardi oh slang. my god i don't i can't think of any other song um is there anything drake's done recently that uh well um that would be considered the toronto new toronto anthem i don't think there's anything uh nothing you know what nothing that was as specific as specifically toronto centric as bacardi slang but there's there's definitely i think like um know yourself is kind of considered uh a Toronto anthem, but it's not, it didn't, in my eyes, it didn't have the, like, it didn't embody everything, like the slang, the, 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 the Caribbean influence, like Bacardi slang encompassed all it's of It's amazing. The song's amazing. And again, I didn't know you guys yeah, yeah. when this came out. I was just enjoying it just like the rest of the masses, but yeah, the yeah. song is flames like how long did it take you to put this beat together i think like 15 minutes you're a liar mm-hmm. you're a liar this song is oh let's want to mm-hmm. rock it yeah. we don't say you know what i'm saying t-dot says you don't know we don't say hey that's the brakes we say yo so it goes. we don't say you get one chance we say you, you better, better rip the, the show, show. Mm-hmm. stop playing and you running for the door we talk about cutting and hitting skins we talk about beat that face t-dot niggas will eat your food before y'all cats say grace your cats are steady saying word my niggas are Still, you know, still, you know, you might get killed, you know, mm, yeah. flames, man. Yeah, no. Yo, 
Seriously. <laughs> Yo, man. 15, yeah, about 15, 20 minutes that beat came together. You're a liar. No, swear to God. That's crazy. I was produced that on an ASR-10, and Sonic ASR-10 rack mount <laughs> with a MIDI keyboard. Right. And um, those drums were, uh, Eric B and Rakim had a song called Mahogany. Um, how did it go? But anyway, those are the drums. I sampled that from, from Mahogany drums. And then it was just like a keyboard sound. I just played it. And I think I, I can't maybe remember how Cardi heard it. I think I did the record. And I was like, yo, this is, this is dope. I'm a, I'm just right. into it. And then Cardi heard it and he's like, yo. Give it. To give me. that to me. <laughs> Zoink. I was like, yo, but, but he's like, yo, shut up and give it to me. <laughs> he's just bullied it. <laughs> he just basically bullied you for the beat. Yeah, yeah. And of course, at the time, he, you know, again, like this was me coming into my own as an artist. Not even really at the time. I wasn't even really taking it serious as a as a career for myself. I was still just having fun. We toured across Canada. We toured all across the U.S. and. I was still like, you know, the support I was, you know, I was supporting. I was the hype man for, for Shockler. I toured with Socrates in 96 uh, as a hype man. And then I, of course, uh, toured with Cardi all around the world. So I'd never really focused on myself as an artist and said, yo, I'm going to take, I, I was recording so wait, so songs. In hindsight, would, what would you have done differently? I think I would have just been more assertive in putting out my own music and, and you would have kept being, it for yourself and being a little you? bit more diligent. You would have kept it for yourself. Admit it. Mm. <laughs> I mean, it was, I was intending to do something with it, but I just didn't. And that's the one thing about music. It's like you, you definitely learn after a while that you can't force it. If the idea doesn't come to you within an hour of what you want, like what you want to say, for that record, you kind of got to let it go. So it was like me holding on to it and not doing anything would have been. Okay. So when you say let it go, though, are there not a lot of situations where you let it go, but then you come back and revisit it? It happens. It happens. But I mean, like in the in the process of creating, if you're spending more than an hour trying to like come up with a melody or come up with the lyric, you, you maybe you can revisit it, but you should let it go at that time. So okay. at the time... It was just, uh, you know, I knew that I liked the beat. I didn't really know what I wanted to do with it. So what, what, if somebody comes along and they've clearly inspired by it, why would I hold on to it and say, no, I'm going to do something with it? And right. if, I, if I did right. that, it would have never happened. Right? I wish people would think that way about ideas as well. A lot of people hold on to ideas and don't share them with other people, even Absolutely. though you may not act on that idea. Because you're worried about people stealing your ideas. <sighs> I would maybe this is one of the influences I can have with this podcast is people start sharing more, <laughs> share your ideas with each other, really. Mm-hmm. So at the same time, uh, you produced Bacardi slang and then easy to slip came out as well, too. It's considered one of the greatest Canadian hip hop songs of all time. Mm. Um, are you still surprised at how much? Yes. People yeah. to this day. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think it's a it's an honor and a privilege to be able to have that kind of impact in people's lives. And it's, you know, to this day, to this blessed day, people <laughs> come up to me and, you know, I'm a type of person, I'm a low key dude. Not that I'm like, I'm not necessarily shy, but, but it's, be, it's still, it's, yeah, I'm not, I'm not the outspoken. And it's funny because some people would like me to be that way. Like, you know, yo, I'm so, you know who I am? You know what the fuck I am, son. <laughs> but that's not, that's never really been me. I'm like, right, I yeah. like to do things. You know, put out music or whatever. If you were that type of person, we wouldn't be friends. You know that, right? Yeah, probably. You know that. I wouldn't be friends with myself. Yeah, sure. Um, 
So it was nominated for a Juno too, by the way. Easy to slip. Yes, just yes, to it was. Um, put it on record. And I lost to some bullshit record. I can't even remember. I can't remember. It some, yeah, yeah, and I some record that nobody cares about today, but people still care about. It was Easy also nominated for MMVA. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, who directed the video? Uh, Harv. Oh, okay. Director Harv. Harv Glazer, and it was actually, if I'm not mistaken, that was the video that kind of started his career. Okay. It was that really, led for him to get a lot more he work. He started I getting a lot more work for it too, um, and he's gone on to do great things in his career. You know, more videos, all kinds of videos and uh, commercials, and he actually directed a movie. I don't know if you remember this movie called Kicking It Old School. No, but um, yeah, that was came out. I want to say like maybe about seven or eight years ago. Is he still like here that. in Toronto? Yeah, yeah. still, still, still filmmaking. Still, still filmmaking. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. Um, so obviously, Easy to Slip came out, and your profile kind of um, yeah, it went up, went up quite my a stock, bit. My stock rose. <laughs> your stock rose, and you started to work with a lot more people mm-hmm. at the time. Mm-hmm. So you start, you have a production and songwriting credits for the Baby Blue soundtrack. Yes, um, Private Party Volume One, one and, and Two. two. Um, Money Jane is on one of those. Money Jane. Cardi did Money Jane. He did Money Jane. Mm-hmm. So you didn't produce that. Um, yeah. but I did you, Only Be In Love with Glenn Lewis. I was just I did about to say that. And did The Day Before day with before. Julie Black. Now, and I Baby think Sham. You just uh, actually Instagram just the other day. You were working with Glenn again. Yeah. He back in, in the studio. studio. Yeah. Back, back in, in the studio. studio. So what's, what can you tell us about that? Nothing. I can't, can't tell you say Nothing other than you were in the studio with Glenn Lewis and that's all you can that's, say. That's all I can say. You're he's, bogue. He's, uh, he's, you know, he's... He's obviously had a, a long hiatus from from the limelight, so to speak, and he's right. just slowly um, getting back into recording again. And I can I can say that he's already got an incredible record in the stash. Oh yeah, eh? I can definitely say that. But that's all. I, <sighs> I want to hear it. I want to hear it right now. Mm-hmm. I want to hear it right now. That's fine. Okay. Um, <laughs> so uh, the songs you produced for Glenn Lewis and Julie Black on the Baby Blue stuff, they both got nominated for Junos as well. See, I didn't even know that. Yeah, they were. They I were, didn't even know that. You didn't know that? No, I didn't even okay. remember that. Yeah, they, they were. They were Juno's. nominated for Juno Awards. I gotta for, add that to my uh, Wikipedia. First, for best R and B and soul recording in 2000 and 2001, respectively, for both of them. <laughs> that was still. That was my year for real. <laughs> <laughs> I, did, I did not even did yep. not even know that. Yep, yep. So that's pretty crazy. Mm. 2002, you were solicited to produce. Uh, the Canadian remix for UK artist Miss Dynamite. Oh, yeah. Featuring That's Cardi. Right. Yeah. 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 Uh, Dynamite T. Miss right. Dynamite Right. Yeah. And yeah. Um, after that, again, it just seemed like your work started to explode. You worked again with Shaw Claire on Memories of Blake Savage and mm-hmm. Flagrant. Uh, Cardi's Firestarter Volume 1. Julie mm-hmm. Black's This Is Me. Mm-hmm. Uh, Chaos, Joyful Rebellion. Oh, yeah. Uh, Maestro's Ever Since. Oh, man. Ivana Santilli's Brown. Holy! And the Rascals Reloaded. <laughs> oh, you're killing me right now. Yeah, so you did a, you were like, yo, you were putting in some work? I, you know. You were putting in some work, bro. I'm trying. <laughs> I'm trying. Um, let's see. I'm just trying to go through, like, this is the thing. I don't want to take up too much of your time to. Now we good. To get through all of this, but um, it's just so much, too, that I wanted to talk to you about again, too. And this is the whole thing, again. Like, you're my hydrant. We mm-hmm. hang out quite a bit. Mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. didn't know half of this shit. Apparently, neither did I. Neither did you. <laughs> I just did. That's the thing. You have to understand about me. I just do. <laughs> you just do. I just do. And while you were producing all of this stuff, you also released Listen and Streets on Fire oh, at yes. that time. Yes, there was a video for Streets on Fire. Streets on Fire. What, I, why and do I, I not remember Streets on Fire? It was uh, The video was pretty dope. And you know who directed that video? Oh, uh, Davin Black directed that video, right? No. 
he was the producer on that video. Oh, he was the producer. RT, RT directed, directed it. That's right. Yeah. Okay. I think and I, I hunted him down because I remember I saw RT did a video for it was uh, it was. Um, oh, and for anybody out there that doesn't know who we're talking about, RT Thorne, yes, filmmaker here in the city, director, oh, director, so, amazing director. And, and he's he is this 2019. You're going to be his year. Yeah, you're going to see a lot of great things coming. So I right need now. to get him on the podcast before he blows up. Super, super, super. Done deal. But he's already blown up. RT is my hydrant. No, RT. He's mm, he's a good dude. He's that's and it's you know interestingly enough. I've known him for a number of years, but we've actually become pretty damn close, close friends over the last couple of years. Over the yeah. last couple of years. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, 2004, you released a full-length mixtape album, Return of the Silver Surfer. Yeah. All right. And yes. then 2005. I dissed chaos on that record, too. Did you you dissed chaos on that record? Yeah, I did this. I dissed him. Are you we trying had, to rehash beef right we, now we on had, my podcast? No, I, I had beef with chaos, son. <laughs> we took it to the streets. No, we obviously did not. It was funny because I remember at the time, and I had to laugh myself too because people were like, yeah, at least you know this beef is not going to descend into violence. <laughs> 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 and you know what? You were damn right. It was, of course. But, you um, guys are two non-thugs yeah. going at each other, man. It's fine. <laughs> yeah. No, I was a th- I'm a thug. You are not up. a thug. You get fucked up now. You're you are not a thug. <laughs> um, 2005, hmm. 2005. You uh, you uh, Syfe, you got uh, onto radar. You got onto Syfe's radar. Yes, yes. In 2005, we're talking about DJ Syfe Sounds. At the Cypher time, Sounds. he was working at Hot 97. My hydrant. If you don't know what Hot 97 is, just turn off my podcast. And yeah. Just you shouldn't be. Yeah, fucking with my podcast. Go listen to country or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Go listen to Taylor Swift yeah. or whatever you're doing. But yeah. it was 2005 when Syfe, um you kind of, kind of got on your radar mm-hmm. or got on his radar, I should mm-hmm. say. Mm-hmm. And um, Mr. Morgan. Mr. Morgan. Mr. Morgan put it together for you guys to connect. Sure did. Mr. Morgan was was managing me at the time. So how? So what was his relationship with Syfe? He was. Uh, they. I don't remember exactly how they were. You know, Syph is a DJ. Mr. Morgan had artists. And now he's a comedian. He's a comedian and still DJs He too. still DJs too as well, but he's, not, he's, a, a, yeah. he's not at Hot 97 anymore. I, he's not doing the radio thing anymore. I literally witnessed the inception of his... Uh, Com- comedy career? Of his comedy career. He is hilarious, man. He, and you think he's about hilarious. it is... I how love Syph. How it came about was because he's so naturally funny. People he's are like, hilarious. Yo, I think I remember at the time I was living in New York, we were roommates... And he first got the um, a hosting gig on an MTV. Um, he was what was the name of the show? I can't remember the name of the show, but he like they they had a hip hop show. He hosted it, and Jamie Fox was on the show. And he, Jamie he said Jamie Fox whispered in his ear between between takes, yeah. Like, yo, you're hilarious. You need to do stand-up comedy. Oh, well, if Jamie Foxx is telling you. Exactly. Well, what are you going to do? Say. Exactly. Exactly. And, you know, you listen to when he was on the morning show, when he had his own radio show on Saturdays. He was always, he's always, he's the naturally funny, super witty, like super sharp. Can't. Doesn't drink. How much I love Scythe, yeah. man. Doesn't drink, doesn't smoke, but he looks like he does. Both. I know he looks like he's high all, <laughs> all the time. The time. He, he, he hears that all the time. He looks like he's high all never, the time. Never drank, never smoked. <laughs> it's crazy. At all. What was your first impression of him when you met him? Super cool, down to earth. You know, when you hear about like a legendary name like Cipher Sounds, DJ at Hot ninety seven NYC had a like had a huge platform with a Saturday afternoon mix show. Like you know, 
access to artists like he was you know he was um he was working for rock nation jay-z at one time like he knew everybody in the industry yet he is the most down-to-earth yeah. humble yep. cool level-headed guy that you ever want to meet never like you know doesn't not talk a, about himself no no just, not at all he's so just my friendly and, a, and in a lot of ways we realize we're very similar people in that sense like right. you know you you have your legendary name so to speak but then you just it doesn't you're mean just, anything yeah. it's just you're just doing what you enjoy doing yeah, yeah. just just luis diaz and we have a great friendship and he's taught me a lot he took me in he um we were working how that actually came about more is, fire yeah more fire more fire <laughs> that's right and that's the thing is that um so after you guys had met that's when you decided to move to new york and yeah, you guys created was... your production team more fire mm -hmm. um but what was it like living in new york it was great it was, it was i had a great time um we didn't live in the hood <laughs> we lived in manhattan okay that right across does that make a difference somehow like is that important yes, yes why it is. why because he, he didn't i didn't have to fear for my safety <laughs> <laughs> fearing for okay, safety sure, is definitely that's, that's big, like, you know, yeah, yeah, and yeah. we were you know we were right by the subway we lived this was after world trade center uh was um you know went down yeah, but, yeah, uh, so we were yeah. living as they were you know building the new world trade center we were living like literally like a five minute walk from there from see that area. and this is around the time when i started to come onto the scene too because mm -hmm. i have never had to pick up a friend from the airport so much <laughs> in a span of a couple of years yeah. as i did with those times with you back and forth yeah. new york and toronto yeah yeah um so together with uh sife you guys produced uh nina sky sophomore album the musical yeah uh sugar daddy was, that was the radio single that was never released it was never released. Never released. No. Holy shit. Spent okay. a lot of time working on that record, too, and a lot of great records. And those girls were super cool, too, and Nina super Sky? talented. So yeah. that, I was going to say, that's how actually it came about. He was up here in Toronto uh, with DJing for Nina Sky at the time. They had that huge record, Move Your Body. So they were, they were doing a show, and Morgan was like, yo. Saif is looking for a partner producer to work with because he was having problems with the guy he was working with at the time. Okay. And, you know, Morgan and Saif had a great relationship. So Morgan told him about me, played him some of my stuff. And Saif was like, yeah, cool. I'll, I'll meet him. So I went out and Morgan was like, yo, go meet him. Right now. Right now. Right now. So yeah. I went out. I went to see the show, went to watch Nina Sky perform. And I, of course, all I knew was move your body. And it's like, you know, anybody can sound great on a well-produced record but can you recreate Not, and it just live? that too but the rhythm itself was popular the rhythm was already popular yeah. but i mean to me on that rhythm uh they have the biggest song on that rhythm when you what like as far so. as a, as far as a pop record like that record took off and went to number one I'm trying to see what the um rhythm was called again it was called coolie dance mm -hmm. it was the coolie dance yeah. rhythm so anyway long story short i was like to be quite honest, when you hear a pop record, you're kind of like, I don't, you know, I wasn't expecting much. May I say, though, maybe Sean Paul's Feel All Right might have been bigger. How did it go? Oh, I'm not going to play it. I'm not risking the copyright <laughs> shit fucking with my podcast. <laughs> but Feel All Right might possibly be, but they're very close to each other for the big track on I'll, that record. I'll tell you, it was probably uh, a bigger record in dance hall in the in black music uh, context, but... I liked Jukyal. But Move Your Body was Yeah, it was a, huge. It was a huge, pop though. record. Yeah, so, it was, that's true. That's true. You know what? For the poppiness of it, mm -hmm. 
Probably, yeah. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, I mean, for the that, poppiness that, of it, yeah. And that's what we're talking about. So, um, anyway, I went to see them perform, and I was thoroughly impressed. They sounded like the record, singing live. They had personality. They they performed well together. They had stage presence, and I was like, yeah, I could fuck with that. Yeah. And then I, and then me and Saif, we chopped it up after the show, and he's, he's like asking me about how I produce, what do I use, like what's your vibe like, and. It was all really just cool, like, you know, pretty low-key. And uh, and he's like, yeah, let's do it. And mm. then I think maybe about a month after that, I went down there, spent uh, maybe a week or so. And then um, he's like, yo, don't leave, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, yo, where are you going? Why are you, why are you leaving? Where are you going? Where are you going? This and this is was before at. he was married, too. Right? Oh, yeah, yeah. No, yeah this, this is was, way this before, was before he was married I and all that stuff. I didn't introduce him to his wife, but I definitely endorsed him. You were him. instrumental in the, Abs- in, in in the, the happiness of Cypher Sounds. He was, you know, we, we were doing our thing down there. He right, was, yeah. they, you know, living the bachelor life. And, and um, there was, at that time when he met his wife, uh, he was dating another girl, and she was she was waste. She was just like, <laughs> she was waste. <laughs> it was like, yo, I mean, you know, do your thing, like, right. get your rocks off. But then they, I met this girl who was his wife now, and like, we used to put it this way: we used to like, Cypher, he was doing the morning show, so he'd leave at like fucking like four thirty in the morning to go do the morning show. Yeah, and then me and and, and uh, her name is Shay. I hope that's cool. I put her name out there, but um, <laughs> Shay is mad cool okay. like super i you know like i'm i'm blessed to ha- like i when i i say it in jest but i really firmly believe that i have the best friends i know the best people <laughs> i really i really say that tongue-in-cheek but i mean that shit and shay was like super cool we used to like she'd wake up in the morning she didn't have to do shit for me she's like yo you want breakfast she'd make me breakfast oh that's we, nice we go jogging cool. together okay and i mean it, it sounds weird to say but it was like you know that's but that that's rare of these days like yeah. you, people i don't know how many people are still of that mindset to yeah. just do things for other people without yeah. looking for anything in return yeah we used to like we used to you know used to have great deep conversations all the time and she's like you know who, like who are you dating like you're such a good guy you need to find somebody and like she supported me she she's a amazing human being yeah that's great yeah. man i'm glad yeah. Sife is happy that's yeah. it's fantastic so uh, around this time obviously you were still working with cardinal and all that stuff and mm-hmm. i came onto the scene mm-hmm. and i was djing for Cardi mm-hmm. with you guys and we were the Black Jays. That's right. We were doing all our stuff and everything. But Killing the game. Yeah, it was fun. I We did two Cross Canada tours with 50 Cent. Oh, yes. That was a lot of fun. Yes. Um, uh, yeah, we had uh, Melanie Durant uh, and Grouch was her DJ. Mm-hmm. And um, Baby Blue was on that tour too. Yeah, Baby Blue was on that tour with us as well. Mm-hmm. And uh, we almost died in a snowstorm. And, and I, was, I, I slept all the way through that. You were sleeping? Ah, I slept through it. I woke up the next morning fresh. <laughs> oh my and God. Everybody was like in the front of the bus, like teeth were chattering, like, yo, we oh. almost died. I'm like, hey, what's up, guys? I'm like, yo, we we almost died last yo, night. I was like, we say, we almost word. died yeah. that night. Uh, I'm yeah. telling you, there's a white guy out in Halifax that still tells the story <laughs> of like four black guys in a Winnebago mm-hmm. um, driving into a snowstorm. Oh, you know what? That's funny. I wasn't even thinking about that time. That was another time. There was another time we were actually on a tour bus with, uh, you know, it, no, you weren't there. I, I think it was with Shockley. We were on tour with Shockley. Okay. 
Yeah, and uh, who else was on that tour? Baby Blue was on that tour too. You weren't on that tour, so that was a Shockler tour. Okay, because I was like, thing. I was saying, I don't remember Baby Blue being on the tour with us. No, 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 no. Right, you thought that was, that was the Fifty Cent tour? Yeah, we almost died on that tour too. Yeah, I almost died a few times. Well, on yeah. touring. Well, if, <laughs> to if, be, you're, if you're not almost dying, you're not living. There you go. <laughs> That's right. Facts. But you took a hiatus from um from music for a bit, yeah. and then you kind of got back into it again in around 2010. Hiatus. To the public. What was the what was the point of the hiatus? Like, what was the? Well, I was gonna say it was more so a hiatus of releasing music. I was still working on music at the time. Okay. Um, but again, it was one of those things. I think at that time, because uh, 2010 have... is when uh, you released "Come True." Yes, yes. Come True is when it came out. Great song, still by the way. I, I really like that song. Yeah. I really like that that was also nominated for Juno. Yes, it was. R- and R&B. Best R&B and soul recording of the year. I was going to say, I don't think uh, there's, there's got to be like a statistic that says, that outlines that I'm the probably the only. One hip- of the few Juno Award nominees to be nominated in more than one genre. <laughs> yes, I've looked it up. There you go. I did. I looked there it up. Go. So, yeah, you are. Yeah, again, too, like I said, I didn't know any of this stuff, Solitaire. I didn't know any of this stuff. Mm-hmm. Look at his, his chest is getting a little higher right now. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> Look at this guy. I'm just trying to get comfortable. Are I'm the headphones uh, still fitting your head? Are they okay? Or it's they, a little tight. <laughs> they're getting a little tighter, a little the tight, headphones. A little tight, a little tight. <laughs> uh, it's amazing. So uh, where do I want to... Um, we're almost done, though. I'm going to wrap this up uh, pretty soon. But I want to talk about the stuff that you're doing currently. Okay. Uh, today, right now. So mm-hmm. we already spoke about the radio show that I do with you. Yep. Saturday mornings, uh, 10, 10 a.m. on Vibe 105. That's right. Hashtag. So, uh, shameless plug. Don't be uh, the last to know. But um, now you've got your new uh, studio mm-hmm. for Sound Media. Or it's not even, sound you can't music. really call it new. It's We're like going on five years. Has it been five years? Mm-hmm. Has it really been five years? It will be at the end of this, uh, by Holy September. It'll, yeah, we started in 20... 20- I still remember when you moved in there. 2014. The whole nine and everything. And obviously the studio that you were at before, mm-hmm. um, which was uh, not as nice. <laughs> that was that was in the hood. <laughs> that was in the hood. That was, that was in the definitely hood. in the hood. But I never felt... Uh, like I was in danger. No, I never know, felt like I was in danger. We were kind of studio. like it's. It was in proximity to the real griminess, but um, where we were was actually relatively. It was cool. There was you know there was a couple of times I I drove out and you know they had the the police tape out and there was a shooting you know a, a yeah. couple of blocks. You away. just went on about your business. Yeah, you just turn left and you just you know you just go where you got to go. But um, well, yeah. talk about four sound now though. Uh, like, yeah. Force Sound uh, was the um, actually before we moved into the into the big studio. I had a studio in uh, my apartment that I was living in, Weston Road in Eglinton, mm-hmm. that was sold to me by my studio mentor. Shouts out to Cortez. He was um, he actually how I even got into owning a studio was. He had a studio in his apartment. Trauma West. Trauma West. Trauma West. And um, but he also had a day job. So I he was like, uh, you can use a studio during the day while I'm you know doing while you're at work or whatever. And um, and he didn't have to do that, did he? No, he didn't. He, he didn't. did not have to do that. And I love Cortez too, by the way. To be, I mean, just to even put it out there, like initially he was kind of charging me to use it, but then after a while he's like, listen, you're not in my way. Um, I wasn't necessary. I didn't have clients. I was still. And like, I'm willing to bet too, knowing you, you never left the place in a mess. Oh, no. You always cleaned up after yourself. Facts. Facts. He would show up and not even look like you were ever there to begin with. One hundred percent. And I'm sure all of that played a factor in Cortez saying, "Yo, yeah, 
Yeah. And I think it was also being that it was, you know, not the nicest neighborhood. It was like, I, I'd rather have somebody there. <laughs> right. With all that equipment. <laughs> with all that equipment. Yeah. So it's like, you're kind of, in a sense, doing me a favor. Yeah, you're, so, you're security. So, you know, I, I, he ended up like it just came to uh, the point where I was just, he just let me use it for free. And then uh, that's really when I enhanced my uh, my skill set as a producer, as a producer, as a recording engineer, as a mixing engineer. Not just that, but getting more clients, getting I'd imagine, clients, too. Absolutely, absolutely. So, and then that led, and then he moved um, into, he, like, he wanted to get rid of the studio, so he actually ended up selling all his equipment to me and then I took over the space and I moved right. in there full time and he uh, was taking clients on a on a booking by booking basis at where we are presently calling for sound media so he was subletting there and then the the owner of that studio was like listen I'm trying to get out of the business would you like to sublease the studio from me and he's like well I can't take it on myself so he brought myself in and there was another guy his name's Dave we call him Mailman, who was uh, actually an intern at Trauma West. Right. So he joined the oh, team. So he was there for, for a minute. From, yeah. From... Yeah, he was around, he was around um, from the time. He was like, Cortez brought him on as an intern, and then he was recording at the studio on Saturdays. Right. And then, um, then our fourth was introduced, who was actually friends with Dave, and I think Cortez knew him at the time, uh, Will De Niro. Okay. And that was the fourth, and then we all agreed, and then we took over the sublease for what we now call Four Sound Media. Nice. Okay, yeah. so uh, it's not just a studio. <laughs> That's right. It's also a music school. Yeah, it's a music school. Four Sound Music is the music school. We teach piano, guitar, drumming, vocals, hand drumming for, for, for what age range for all of all ages but it's you know it's we're definitely targeting beginning students so like we have a lot of young kids like age range i would say the youngest is like five or six all the way up to like adults right so it's great man uh, yeah, that's good though we took like... over the school a year into our lease uh for the studio because the the same owner without getting into too much of that uh, crazy story um wanted to sell the music the music school so we were like we jumped at the opportunity because it gave us the it gave us the chance to take over and, and expand and do our own programming for the space so we took over the music school and that was a huge learning curve what have you what were you expecting taking that on? What have, what has been the growing pains in that regard? None of us knew anything about running a music school. <laughs> so it was pretty much uh, the music school was essentially paying the lease. For, it was paying for the space. Right. So it was like we took over the school just as uh, we basically took over the school so we can continue running the studio. Right. Okay. And then. Running that business was a huge learning curve because you like you're dealing with parents now. It's a it's a it's a business where you have to maintain a certain level of professionalism and cleanliness and like, you know, customer service. You're dealing with parents. You're dealing with their children, their precious children. Um, you know, children. you're dealing with teachers. You're dealing with different personalities, and it really enhanced my ability as a manager, managing staff, manage you know, dealing with parents, managing. Uh, the team. Um, would you and, change anything now in hindsight, or would you? Oh no, absolutely keep it not. As is, uh, absolutely the way it not. Is? Absolutely. I mean, there's there's definitely 
uh, mistakes that we made that I would go back and do differently. But overall, I wouldn't change anything about it because um, it's we're now at a place where we're really uh, we're really able to expand and like we're adding more days. We hired a couple more teachers. Um, and by the time I want to say by the end of the year, we're going to be pretty much operating five days a week, six days a week. Um, with a variety of classes, we're at an enrollment of about 60 students. Okay, um, nice. Which is, Does it get yeah. busier in terms of enrollment during the spring, summer, I'm assuming, when no, the kids are out of school? No, or it slows down during it the It slows down? It slows okay. down because, you know, families go on vacation. Sure, okay, that makes sense, I guess. Time off, yeah. Okay, so on the production side of things, mm-hmm. though, um, how is that going in terms of, like, uh, clientele? Are any big artists coming out? Obviously, I know you've been working with Drew James, and mm-hmm. I forget the name of the uh, female artist. Yana, Yana no, Oh, not Yana. Well, yes, Yana as well, too. But there was another artist who just dropped an EP, and I'm forgetting. I actually listened to it, and I've already forgotten her name. Lisa Michelle? No, not Lisa Michelle. She's a blonde, white girl, folk singer-ish. Oh, Emma. 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 Emma Beckett. Thank you, Emma mm, Beckett. Yeah. I, for the life of me, I couldn't. It was like on the tip of my tongue. But yeah, I, yeah. Emma I could Beckett. see her face in my head. But um, yeah, she's... Phenomenal. She's amazing, man. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. so what? How did that come about? Just real quick. That was uh, that was a referral by an um, uh, organization uh, called Benjamin Verde. So she produced her whole uh, EP yeah. with you guys. Yep. Yeah. Now she she wrote and produced the, the majority of it. I co-produced and um, added some like instrumentation, some drums to some of the songs. But she was definitely the the overseer. Okay, and th- so that's part of the artist development yeah. services that yeah. you guys provide exactly at yeah. Four Sound as well too. Yeah, because that was her first uh, experience recording in a professional studio and and kind of uh, that was her, essentially her first official project, like okay. produced and and properly professionally mixed and all that stuff. That's great. No, the music is yeah. Her music is awesome. If you guys listen, check out Emma Beckett. Emma Beckett. I believe it's called Dropout. Dropout. Yeah, I think that uh, sounds familiar, too. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, there was at least three or four songs on it that I was like, yo, mm-hmm. this is this could be playing on the radio. This should be playing on the radio right now. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, we're going to wrap up real short, real soon, I should say. But mm-hmm. um, I don't want to not speak about the Forgiveness Project mm. because I this is one thing that you don't get enough credit for because you don't – tell people about the things that you do <laughs> yeah, I know. and this is an important thing that i this is one of the things that i and again to see this is something that i would never say to you but i so much respect you for this mm. <laughs> for you doing this because i don't know what's something that i would be able to do but mm. um mm. like you and tara basically go to tara muldoon, yeah. tara muldoon mm. and she's the f-word project she's the, founder she's the founder yeah. she's the founder um and you guys go to prisons mm-hmm. and speak to not prisons jail jail to prison, jail. prison okay. is for people who have been officially convicted and are serving time jail okay. is where you are charged with a crime and you are waiting you're waiting for your for your oh, court see, case i never knew the difference between jail yeah. or prison to me mm-hmm. it was always just interchangeable yeah no, okay no. so that makes sense but um how long have you been working with tara on the forgiveness project I was introduced to Tara. Um, I knew about Tara for a number of years. You know, the hip hop community is very small, and she was doing PR, and she was actually doing PR for Rich Kid. Oh, really? I think she was man. She might have actually been managing him at the time too. Just please understand. Mm-hmm. Please believe me. <laughs> please believe me when I say this. I am gonna have Rich Kid on this podcast. Oh, hundred, and he'll do it. I know he will. Yeah, he'll do but. It. Multiple times, <laughs> not just once. Yeah. He is one of my 
favorite individuals in the city. Yeah, hands down. He's got charisma. He's, he's got he's, extraordinary talent. He's the right balance of good guy thug. Yeah. <laughs> like he's he's Rich Kid is just he's Listen, a, some, such a unique individual. I can't express how much I love that dude, man. He is one of the best one-liner one-line <laughs> commenters on Instagram. Oh my god, if you're not following Rich Kid on Instagram, you're Do doing you, yourself a disservice. Yeah, 100%. Follow Rich Kid on Instagram fully, but I did not know that she Yeah, she so she was managing him at this was I'm talking this got to be at least 10 years ago. I never knew that. At least 10 years ago and um so I'd known about her uh, and then I watched, I literally remember hearing about FU, uh, the first time on Twitter when, t- before Instagram and like everybody was on Twitter and I used to see her talking about the forgiveness project. She'd, she'd reach out to people like, are you willing to talk about forgiveness? And right. everybody was like, nope, <laughs> I am not ready to forgive yet. And yeah. you know, I was, I, I'm not good with the forgiveness thing. And man. I was, really you not. know, I was, I was definitely on that page too. And then, uh, I was actually officially connected to her. When Zamani was actually sitting on a panel with her, I think it was at Yorkdale, something, some random. And then he was through that connection. Uh, they started talking about doing a book for men by men. And um, that's when Zamani's like, yo, I think you should contribute a piece to this book. It'd be a good look. You'd be a published author, which I am now. The book is called Manhood. It's about uh, m- the male identity, sexuality, what it means to be a man. Is it still available for people to yep. purchase? You can you can go to uh, Amazon, any any of those online bookstores, and you can order your copy. I think there's digital copies as well, and it's just a it's a it's a collection of, of experiences written by men from various walks of life. I think there's an attorney who contributed something. I wrote the outro. Hmm. Um, there's uh, a former inmate who wrote about his experience and what it means to be a man. So how like, often do you and Tara go to the jail to speak with the inmate? Tara is practically there almost every day at some point. Like, really? She does one-on-one um, counseling, counseling with the inmates there. How I, often do you go? I go once a week. Okay. And what, what is it that you're, <clears throat> what are you doing when you're there? It's, it's a workshop. It's basically, it's a conversation. Uh, we always start each, um, each workshop seminar with the question, what does forgiveness look like in your life? What is your understanding of forgiveness? And it, typically it's like, you know, somebody does, you know, somebody crosses me, you know what I'm saying? Like somebody steals money from me or somebody does something them. to me. And, uh, they, <laughs> That's forgiveness. They, they apologize and I'm like, all right, cool. Yeah, I, I forgive you. But like the conversation goes so much further because a lot of people don't give it enough thought in terms of what it really means to forgive right what, I it, imagine. what it really means to forgive and who forgiveness is for and like how what effect does it have on you what does it have for the other person do you need an apology to forgive someone uh what do you expect back when you forgive someone and the, i think the most important thing that people need to realize is Forgiveness is has nothing to do with the other person. However, it's I'm I'm assuming it's been very rewarding for you. It it, doing it, it it has been absolutely one of my favorite things to do because you realize that these these young men who are in this situation, first of all, it's you you realize what a waste of potential it is to see these young guys in there because mm. these are smart guys. A lot right, of them are yeah. smart guys. A lot of them Just like had a bad. You, just Cart, had, bad deal of life basically in some regard right? and in bad choices yeah. you know some of them just didn't have uh you know the opportunity to to have good mentors good role models in maybe their life. even not good parents i so mean that's, it all plays a part I'm, it all plays a i've part. seen people 
that I was like, you have no business having children. You know what I mean? <laughs> just in regards to anybody can just throw sperm into an egg and, and cook one up. You know what I mean? And it yeah. doesn't necessarily mean that you have the temperament or... Any man could be a father. N- yeah. Not any man could be a dad. Yeah, man. Uh, and so, you know, I, and you see you see guys you see guys in there like I was... We had a workshop this week and there's this um, 19-year-old kid in there. And he's like... You know, I want to play basketball. He's, he must be like at least six, six, six. I want to say, and he's like, "Yeah, I was, I was, you know, a nationally ranked basketball player." And in my head, I'm like, "Man, why are you, why are you here?" Right. You know what I mean? And there's so much potential. There's so much guys in there. Like I look, I'm like, "Yo, you could be my nephew. You can be my younger brother." And it's like so much wasted potential in there because nobody in their lives took the time to. Talk offer to them. them a different perspective yeah. of life yeah. That's you know so tragic you, and there's a lot of mental health issues as you know it's really become an important conversation in, in the mainstream which is really really good trauma anger management conflict resolution so we have conf- we have conversations surrounding those issues we talk about ways to to cope with your anger different ways to look at uh situations in life we'll like we'll talk about the r kelly situation we'll talk about the bill cosby situation and we use a lot of hip-hop references because you know tara's in the hip- loves hip-hop and she's been in the industry as a pr person i'm a producer so we frame a lot of our discussion around hip-hop because that's what these guys are sure, primarily listening sure. to yeah at least the guys who come to our program right and um yeah, it's it's totally rewarding over the we've been doing it for it's probably about almost two and a half years now. And we've talked to like hundreds. hundreds Have you ever kept days. in touch with uh, some of them outside of once a, they've a, a couple of them? Uh, what happens is we offer the opportunity for when they get out, once they're released to to come and speak in uh, at workshops that we do because we do the the jail program at Toronto South Detention Center. And then we also do workshops at community centers and schools. And we would do uh, for the past year and a half, we've been doing uh, the same kind of deal, like five weeks of workshops at Monsignor Frazier, which is basically um, it's like a uh, like a GED school for for students who may have dropped out. They didn't get their high school diploma and they Mm -hmm. want to go back to to finish their credits so that they can go to university or college. Um, And they have five campuses across toronto there's and the ones that we focused on well there's one downtown over by sherburn and bloor and then there's one out in scarborough so we do we have the same kind of same workshop same kind of discussions there but obviously the audience is a little different oh that's so commendable so commendable honestly like i i know i don't tell you it but i I respect (laughs) you so much for doing that it's such a good thing it's such a an important thing that you're doing for people um yeah just kudos to you for more that. people more people should do it man because yeah. the thing is you know it's easy to look at somebody who's committed a crime and say oh he killed somebody or he sold drugs or you know he was dealing with guns or whatever and uh you recognize that everybody makes mistakes not everybody has to you know be so accountable as go to jail for it but um you're looking at guys. Uh, one of the one of the most important phrases that we use uh, at the Forgiveness Project is "hurt people, hurt people." Right. You don't know what anybody's story is. You only a lot of times in in the you know 
in the city when there's crime happening and you look at the statistics and you're like, oh, look at this guy. These guys are shooting people downtown. But you don't know what these guys' stories are. Like yeah, some of them, yeah. some of them, they're, you know, their mom is on their mom is on drugs. Their dad is dead. Their brothers are in jail. They have and that's, no hope. And, and they're just all whatever they they're trying to you know what I mean? do and, to scratch by and survive. So, yes, they have to pay for their mistakes. But if you are like, you know, there's one another thing about jail is it's about compassion. The, I guess, it's supposed yeah. to rehabilitate. You know, you're supposed to pay your pay your due to society, pay your debt to society. But it's also what are you providing for these guys to help them not follow the same path when they leave? And there's there's uh, there's it, it's starved of programming that helps these guys to rehabilitate themselves. So, um, you know, we've we've our, our program actually has become one of the most popular programs at Toronto South. Um, requested all the time and you know that's why we've been continuing to do it pretty much on on no money too like uh-huh. it, it's not a it's not a f- officially funded program there's okay. a lot of things that you know the forgiveness project gets grants to do but this is something that um i don't get paid to do right and um it's definitely very rewarding to be able to hear some of these guys and you know you're not going to reach all of them you know there's guys who are sitting there they're like listen i just want to get my certificate and this is good for it's going to look good for when i go to court right right but for the most part everybody is engaged and we make sure that it's a judgment-free zone we don't know what any of these guys did we don't know any of their stories um although some of them end up telling us and kind of like i'm like yeah i wish i didn't know that (laughs) (laughs) i wish i didn't know that the situation where ignorance is truly blessed right but yeah, yeah but i mean because we go in there and we we stress like listen we're not we're not counselors. We're not teachers. We are just people who care and we want to show you that we care about your stories and we want to give you a different perspective, a different way to, to deal with the pressures and different way to see yourself because there's also a uh, self-image and self, uh, self-worth that um, is, uh, is, is very detrimental to a lot of these young people because if you can't see yourself beyond the streets, beyond being a drug dealer or beyond being you know, a hustler, uh, if you can't see yourself getting an education or doing something different with your life, you know, how are you ever going to escape your circumstances? And a lot of these guys, you recognize they've just never had anybody in their life to show them anything different. And really that's all sometimes, not all the time, but sometimes that's all it takes. Oh, you know? That's great. That's very powerful. Um, yeah, thanks, Solitaire, man. thank you so much for being here. Yeah. Yeah, this was great. This was the first episode. We making history here, baby. Making history. That's so, all I that's all I do. Yeah, this is how we do. So um there's this thing first. Well, I'm gonna end every show with some words of wisdom okay. from artists. Uh so Spotify for artists does this thing where they sit down with some artists and I saw this and I loved it and I want to share some of these w- words of wisdom. Share um it. to end off the show with. So the first set of words of wisdom that we are gonna play to end off the show is gonna come from Kamasi Washington, the jazz artist Kamasi Washington. Good choice. So, yeah, uh, again, check out Spotify, artists for Spotify or Spotify for artists, however it works. But um, I just love uh, this uh, bit of advice that he's giving to uh, other artists out there. So, again, Solitaire, thank you so much for coming through. My pleasure. Um, I really appreciate you being on my first episode of the Ready Fox Show and uh, more episodes to come. And I appreciate everybody out there that uh, has subscribed and has listened and has told other people to check out this podcast as well. I appreciate you guys all out there. And uh, stay tuned for more episodes of the Ready Fox Show coming to you very shortly. So let's end it off with words of wisdom from Kamasi Washington. The best advice I've ever got was to be stubborn with your dream. 
but to be flexible on how you get there. The music is kind of a living thing, and it is different from one day to the next. And one of the biggest ways it changes is actually in our perception. When I'm feeling like I'm not making anything cool, I just make it anyway and just push it over to the side. A year later, I'll pick it up and play it. I'm like, oh, wow, this is a really cool song. It was all in my head. I always tell people that feel like, oh, man, I sound bad right now or I can't write any good songs. Trust yourself and your creativity. Just keep going.